morning as we get into God's Word. Uh, We're going to continue in Matthew 24 today, picking up from yesterday. And uh, uh, these are really words of warning from Jesus, uh, words of being ready, uh, words of uh, being watchful, words of being working uh, that we need to be working, uh, even as we know that Jesus will soon come and appear uh, in all of his glory. So we pick up in Matthew chapter 24, and we looked at this passage not that long ago, Matthew 24, verse 29, when we talked about lessons from the fig tree. Um, actually, that'll come down in verse 32 through 35, but 
verse 29 through 31, we read these words immediately after this, the, the distress of those days. Remember, we're talking about the tribulational period, uh, a seven-year period that will happen at some point yet future. Um, so immediately after the distress of the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its lights, the stars will fall from the sky, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations on the earth will mourn, for they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. This is after the tribulation. Some think this could mean the very, very end uh, of the millennial kingdom, but no, this is uh, the time of Christ's return at the establishment of his millennial kingdom. Uh, because it speaks of him coming in the sky, the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Um, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. They will gather his elect from the four winds, one from uh, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now notice it says from the heavens uh, and not to the earth. Uh, the thought here being that uh, those of us who have gone to heaven uh, ahead of uh, this time, who have deceased prior to the tribulation, uh, will return with him. So, gathering them from the four, uh, from one, from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other, but also those on the earth, those who have responded to the gospel during the tribulational period, uh, they too will be gathered together, uh, and we will share this great feast of the Lord together, the marriage supper of the Lamb that will take place at the end of the tribulational period. It says, and he will send his angels with that loud trumpet call. They will gather uh, the elect from the four winds, the trumpet call, to hear the sound of the trumpet blowing. Uh, there is a great, and I've talked about this uh, within the last few years, uh, a great video, uh, Phil Driscoll, um, The Trumpet Will Sound. It is a phenomenal, it's an older video, it's probably out of the 80s, uh, but to see his face and to hear the trumpet and uh, to, to hear the song, that great song from Handel's Messiah, the trumpet will sound, and friends, that we would be ready to hear that trumpet sound um, in the final days. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time that will be. So he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. They will gather the elect from the four winds, one from the uh, from one end of the heavens to the other, looking forward to that day. Now, he continues on and says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Well, those of us that got buried in snow this past week certainly would be telling you, yes, we are looking forward to the signs of spring. We're looking forward to um, seeing those little shoots begin to show up on the trees to the lilies beginning to pop up through the earth. So we are looking forward to all those things. Lord willing, within the next month, that will be the case. Um, and it tells us that, that spring is almost here. Summer is almost here. Jesus is saying, as you look at the signs of the times, you also need to know that uh, his return is imminent. 
you need to know that uh, you know the the Fed's talking about uh, hiking the interest rates again uh, as we watch things unfold in uh, in Europe, as we watch things unfold in China, uh, as we watch things unfold in uh, Israel and the Middle East. Uh, as we watch these things, we need to kind of know the signs. Now, again, I have said it could be a number of years, but it also could be today. Uh, we don't know. Uh, everything changed so quickly when we entered COVID in 2020. Uh, that just indicates how quickly things can change. How quickly can the economy change? Uh, how quickly can we be in the place where the entire economy of the entire world collapses. I mean, we're, we're, we've been on the brink of this for years. We're still on the brink of this. Uh, I just read this morning, I think it's like a $1.6 trillion spending bill that the president is proposing. Uh, I mean, just astronomical numbers. Uh, how long can the world continue this way? We don't know. But what should we do? Should we bury our heads in fear? No, we should not bury our heads in fear. Uh, the, 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 this passage continues, and then the Matthew 25 passage continues, showing us that we need to work uh, and to be ready. Now back into the text. Verse, 20, verse 34 says, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I mean, Friends, I just one thing, and I put that up at the top of the screen for you. One thing I want you to realize and to know: everything on this earth is subject to rust. It is subject to decay. It is subject to destruction. It is subject to collapse. It is subject to all of these things, uh, and yet we need not fear, not at all, not fear for even a second, because. We know who holds the future, uh, and we know what uh, what has been predicted already, what has been prophesied already, and so we don't live in fear, not at all, because the one thing that never passes away is God's word, it's God's truth, and um, so let's hold the things of this earth more loosely. Let's hold the eternal things of God more tightly. Let's know that, I mean, I, I use this illustration Sunday, and here I am talking about it. Our vehicles will rust out. Our tires will wear out. Um, our, our fuel oil will run out. Uh, I'm getting mine filled tomorrow just to make sure that while I'm away, Wendy doesn't run out. and got my propane topped off yesterday, but things run out. Things wear out. Things stop working, and so what do we do? Quite simple what we do. Um, we know that everything on this earth is temporal. Our clothes wear out. Ladies, your fingernail polish chips off the fingers at times, does it not? Um, things wear out. Heaven and earth will pass away. And he mentions heaven because he's already talked about the sun, the moon, the stars, I mean, the very cosmos itself at the return of Christ will shift according to what we read here. Now, 
we could do more study and try to figure out what that means exactly. Will the stars literally fall from the heavens? Um, but the cosmos will shift at the return of Christ. Everything will change at the return of Christ. Now, he continues on in verse 36 and says, No one knows that about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. He will repeat this again in Acts chapter 1, that only the Father knows. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. I mean, there were signs given in the days of Noah. Noah was out busy building an ark. God told him to build an ark. He was building an ark and uh, for years building an ark. and it Perhaps it had not rained, at least not rained in, in any volumeless type of way. Uh, and, and now um, it will rain and it will flood uh, in the days of Noah. Noah spent those years. There, there was a sign that was given. So as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Same way in our day. Now, this is suggested not in the positive way that you might read in the book of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it speaks about you know what what's good for man is to 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 work hard with his hands and to enjoy the fruit of his labors, to eat and to drink. I mean, stated kind of in a positive way, this is stated in a negative way, that people will be innocuous, people will be clueless, people will ignore the truth of the gospel, the truth of the scriptures. They will just live their lives, they will eat, they will drink, they will party on, if you will, Marrying and giving in marriage, and in our day, that means you know marrying a man, marrying a, a woman, a woman marrying a man, a woman marrying a woman, a man marrying a man, uh, and then the nondescript marrying the nondescript. So when he speaks of marrying and being given in marriage, I mean it even includes that people will be living their lives. Without regard for the word of God, people will be living their lives without regard for the message of the gospel. People will be living their lives without regard for the truth of scripture that teaches that Christ will come again. So people will be doing all these things up until the, that's what they were doing in the days of Noah. That's what they'll be doing in our days. Verse 39, they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left, the idea of the rapture. Two women will be grinding at a mill. One will be taken, the other left. Now, this kind of mixes together the idea of the rapture uh, as well as, and, and you know, Jesus is not seeking to be precise here in in uh, defining uh, the eschatology of what just happens when, um, because we know at the rapture, people two two people will be out in the field working. One will be taken. One will be left. Uh, one will be in uh, two will be in the office. One will be taken. One will be left. Uh, two will be sitting uh, in their living room watching TV. One will be taken. The other will be left. A two will be driving up the road. Uh, one will be taken. The other will be left because one is a believer. One is not a believer. Uh, one will be, uh, there'll be a crowd at a football game and uh, several will be taken and uh, many will be left. Um, 
So that certainly defines the time of the rapture that I believe is prior to the tribulation, but also uh, at the end of the tribulation, those that have believed, taken, gathered to the the marriage supper of the Lamb. I, I can see a dual meaning in this. Some who are much more intelligent than I in terms of their study of eschatology might tell you that this precisely means. However, I don't think that Jesus is necessarily trying to be precise. Uh, I, I think that he is saying that this is going to be the general things that will happen. This, the rapture aspect, people will be taken, people will be left. At the time of the coming of the Son of Man, at the end of the tribulation, when Jesus comes to uh, to establish his earthly millennial kingdom, uh, one will be taken to join with Jesus, and the other will be left. Uh, says in verse 41, two women will be grinding at the uh, at, with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Now, the reason why I say that Jesus wasn't being so precise is that, I mean, he seems to weave back and forth between what we in our day, which the idea of the rapture is a more modern uh, theological concept, actually, in the last few hundred years, um, where it's been delineated, systematized in that type of a way, uh, put it, put the rapture and the coming of the Son of Man together in the idea you need to be watching, you need to be ready. Uh, instead of getting all tripped over, uh, tripped up over the specifics of these things, to know that Christ will return, to know that um, he will establish his kingdom to know that you're either on his side or you're not on his side and to make sure that you were on his side, that you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal savior, that you have surrendered your life to him. Um, he says in verse 42, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. Now, this is the uh, perhaps that verse I put at the top of the screen for you, uh, the impetus for the 1970s film Thief in the Night, uh, which was largely used to scare heaven into people. On Sunday, I talked about scaring the hell out of people. Uh, and in many ways, that's true, but to scare heaven into them is a fear tactic. Uh, and, and I said it's, uh, I believe a fear tactic is uh, a legitimate tactic, something that can be used um, to help someone choose for Christ. If the owner had known what hour of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because you do not know, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You're not thinking about him. He will show up at a time when you don't expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master's staying away a long time. Then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with drunkards. 
The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he's not aware. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The warning. The warning uh, to those of us who know the truth. I mean, this servant is put in, in charge. Uh, this servant is given the message of the kingdom. Uh, this servant is knows what's going on. So, I mean, there is a warning here that kind of messes with our theological uh, camps a little bit because there is, in verse 47, a servant who was put in charge. Uh, actually, verse 40, 45 and 47, uh, whom the master, who's the master? Jesus is the master. He's put in charge of the servants in his household. If his household means the church, uh, that master uh, is meant to give them their food at the proper time. Uh, it will be good for that uh, for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. That we are teaching, that we are talking, that we are telling people uh, about the truth of the gospel, about their need of turning to Christ, and that we don't shrink back from that. Now, I was in a meeting yesterday talking about a variety of different churches and you know, some churches have laid aside the gospel to talk about lesser things. Uh, they're talking about poetry, and they're talking about uh, uh, inspiring stories, but not rooting themselves in the Word of God. And I don't mind poetry. I'm not much of a poet. Uh, I don't mind inspiring stories. They're, they're very good. They get to the heart, but they must not replace the Word of God. And there are church situations where all that stuff has replaced the Word of God. Those churches are definitively going backwards. Why? Because there's no life there, because there is no substance there, because those servants have laid aside the truth of the gospel. Uh, and it says in verse 49, begins to eat and drink with drunkards. Uh, and you you can see this, especially in many of the mainline churches where they are laying aside the truth of Scripture uh, for other things. Or in some situations where they beat their fellow servants, where they're just beating up on people to live the moralistic life uh, apart from the faith, perhaps. But, verse 50, the warning. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour when he's not aware he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. I mean, the warning. Look at the warning. To be cut to pieces uh, and be sent to the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That if if the master has assigned this servant, if the master is Jesus, and if the servant is a Christian, again, this messes with our theology. Verse 51. This servant being uh, assigned a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Any time you read about the weeping and gnashing of teeth, it is a reference to hell, it is a reference to uh, being placed in a place separate from God. Almost every reference, and we will read a handful of these in these few chapters, the the idea of the weeping and gnashing of teeth is, is always referenced to the idea of hell. I would take this, the, the warning seriously. Now, some of you are saying, but Jim, don't you believe in eternal security? I do. I believe that if you're truly saved, then you're saved. But but there are things that Jesus says in a passage like this 
that that kind of uh, do give some warning that uh, uh, that we need to be aware of that, that we need to know that that Jesus says some hard things he says some challenging things that um, that really issues a clarion call to make sure that we're ready. Now, I'm not going to continue into chapter 25 today. I'll go into chapter 25 tomorrow. But my question for you is, are you ready? If Jesus were to return today, are you ready? Maybe you're ready. But what about our friends? What about our family members? What about our neighbors? What about people that we just don't know for sure? That we would be bold enough uh, and prayerful enough to ask the question. Friend of Jesus were to come today, would you go with him? If he were to come to take his church today, would, would you would you depart? Or would you remain on this earth? And then to tell our friends and our relatives, and some of them will look at us like we have two heads. Some will look at us like we like we're crazy. But to say, look, the, the scriptures teach a tribulational period. Uh a tribulational period that is coming uh, that you don't want to go through. It's a seven-year period. The Bible speaks very clearly of this period, and there's going to be a one-world government. There's going to be a one-world leader who will come out of this, uh, and there will be great calamity upon the earth, and you don't want to be a part of that, do you? Be ready for Christ. So I, I just want to encourage you, make sure that you know Christ. Secondly, make sure to be telling your friends and relatives and neighbors uh, about what is coming, that they too could be ready for when Christ returns. Let us not be, let me not be, and, and I would hope that based on the fact that I'm teaching these truths, that I would not be like one of those wicked servants who isn't telling people the truth. Hopefully I would be seen as a good servant whose master finds me so doing when he returns. Uh, verse 45 said this. Back verse 44. So you must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. May that be me. May that be you. May we be ready for the return of Christ, and may we help others to be ready as well. Lord, help us. Help us to be able to understand the, the, the seasons. Help us to be able to understand the times. Help us to make ourselves ready. Help us to be yielded to Christ. Help us to be surrendered to Christ. Help us to walk with Christ. And Lord, for our friends and family members, would your spirit work in their hearts that they would respond to Christ, that they would surrender to Christ, that they would um, give their lives to Christ. Lord, hear our prayer. Draw people to Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, have a great day. See you tomorrow.